Welcome to the Chilliwack Alliance Church podcast. Uh, today we're going to have just a great session that uh, is dealing with life in the Holy Spirit. What does it mean? What does it mean for the Holy Spirit to have his way in my life? I have three guests with me today, uh, all of them seasoned Christians and very much alive. Uh, Christianity is not dead to these men. Uh, it's not simply do's and don'ts, but it's alive. And that's because of the role of the Holy Spirit in their life. So through this time, we're going to deal with some questions like, how is life in the Spirit, letting him have his way, different from sort of the average Christian life where we don't let the Holy Spirit have his way? Uh, how does the Holy Spirit help us deal with sin in our life? And how does he help us overcome fear, which is such a current topic these days? Uh, how does the Holy Spirit work in my life? And what is he willing to do through me and in me? So there are a lot of questions that will be addressed like this, and this is going to be a really helpful time for you. I hope that you will interact as we spend the next little while together talking about who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do with us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast today. My name is Leon Thronis. I'm delighted to have you uh, join us, uh, the four of us today. Uh, we're, we're doing this podcast today around some of the core designs for ministry here at Chilliwack Alliance Church. And uh, we believe, uh, because we want to go deeper and wider uh, with God, we believe that we grow in Christ uh, through three things that start with E, primarily. And that's what we found happens in our church. We find that we grow in Christ when we engage in Christian ministry. Uh, we grow in Christ when we are encircled by quality Christians. And we grow in Christ when we have significant encounters with the Lord. Well, my, my area of ministry is this, is this third one. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to set the table these days for you to to be open to a new encounter with God. And uh, over, this, uh, over these few months of this primetime uh, church year, I'm trying to have us explore, how do I practically let the Holy Spirit, who lives inside every Christian, mold me into the person God wants me to be? And really, um, at its core, the Holy Spirit wants you and me to be more and more like Jesus Christ. So... So that's the theme for our time today. And uh, I would encourage you, uh, if you would like to explore this more, to go onto the Chilliwack Alliance Church website and uh, under the Ministries tab, just hit that and go down to Encounter and you'll find, you'll find a lot of helpful things, uh, links and writings uh, to help you explore openness to the Holy Spirit. So this leads me to my guests today. I have three guests with me today. Uh, Brian Yeomans, who actually serves as our current uh, uh, chair of our elders board. Uh, Carol and I have traveled internationally with Bryant and his wife, Bev, uh, including some precious days in Israel. And uh, those were great times. Uh, also with me is Victor Rakowski and uh, Victor's wife is Lily. Uh, Carol and I had the chance a few years ago uh, to travel with Victor through his native Poland. And uh, it was really great to have uh, a guide from the place uh, to lead us around Poland. And my third guest is Larry Sia. And uh, Carol and I have spent time with him and his wife, Annie, in his native Malaysia. And that was an exotic time to be with you there. It was like a really different world. So as I've uh, ruminated on our time in preparation for it, I, I just realized I, I have seen, I have seen the world a little bit through the eyes of these three men. These three men have consistently opened their lives to the direction of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, over this next little while, we're going to chat for a bit about the role of the Holy Spirit and uh, what he does for us as Christians. And I hope that you will gain insight from what they have to say. So uh, 
just to start off, in a couple of minutes, uh, just tell us uh, where were you raised, Bryant, and uh, tell us how you became a Christian. Just just give us a quick recap on that. Okay, I I grew up in Vancouver, um, and uh, we attended a church that my parents um, attend. Are they actually? My parents met in this church because there was a great revival going on in the in the nineteen forties, and they met each other. They both came from Saskatchewan. They met in that church during that revival. Um, and they, so this was in 1942, and they they met and they and they married three months later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, th- that is the church I grew up in. At one time, it was the biggest church in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. It would seat 1,500, and it had auditoriums underneath it that would seat two or three hundred. And I mean, it was a massive big old stone Presbyterian church. Yeah, give the people the name. They might know it. It's called Evangelistic Tabernacle mm-hmm. yeah. in Vancouver. Yeah. Anyway, I, I grew up in that church. And uh, when I was about 12 years old, um, I gave my heart to the Lord one night in my bedroom because I was under serious conviction mm-hmm. from a series of... Um, uh, evangelistic meetings that were taking place. But um, so at 12 years old, I I was having a lot of issues in my life. I was, uh, I was deaf in one ear, similar to what I have right now, but uh, <laughs> I was deaf in one ear and I had a very serious stuttering problem. Mm-hmm. My dad took me uh, to another church that was having healing meetings at a had this uh, healing evangelist from New Zealand that had just come to Vancouver and started meetings in this church. So my dad was desperate to get something done about my condition. Mm-hmm. So after we'd been there, uh, going to these meetings every night relentlessly for mm-hmm. a couple of weeks mm-hmm. without a break, um, he said, let's let's go down and get in line to, and God will heal you. So we did, waited in line, took about an hour to get to the Mm -hmm. healing evangelist. He said a few short words, wasn't a big theological prayer, Mm -hmm. Uh, reached out to touch me, and uh, my hearing was healed instantly. The stuttering stopped immediately after being that way for for a long time. So that it kind of set the stage for me to to believe that the Holy Spirit uh, was real. Yeah. Healing is real. Yeah. And uh, God is interested in in a relationship with us. And he's still in the business of doing miracles today. Wow. So that has stayed with me the rest of my life. Yeah. And then there's a further story which we can get yeah. to later. And interesting it's at 12 because that's when a Jewish boy has bar mitzvah, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of things happen around that 12-year-old thing, as mm-hmm. happened to me. Thank you. Uh, Victor, how about you? Well, as you mentioned, uh, I was born in Poland, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was um, fifth child out of ten siblings. Uh-huh. Okay. When I was born... Um, my parents physically were relatively young people, but spiritually they were very young people. Okay. So they raised us with the knowledge that we need to accept Christ into our life. Mm. So each of us siblings understood that. Similarly to what you said, around age 11, 12, really? that's when God spoke to me so hard, so strong. And um, in Poland, we didn't have a big congregations. And my parents actually attended an evangelical Christian church, not Pentecostal. And <clears throat> so... 
in one of these home meetings, we would describe this today as a home group. Yeah. God's word spoke to my heart so strongly. And I wept, I wept and wept, having the understanding that I need to be forgiven. Yeah. So I remember that time so strong, even, well, 60 something years after. Wow. So uh, the situation in Poland was such that as a child, and that was early 50s. Poland was under the strong oppression of Stalinism, mm -hmm. communism from Russia. Yeah. Even though Poland itself wasn't communist country, but the oppression was very strong. Mm -hmm. And as a child, I didn't realize, I couldn't comprehend well the struggle that my parents as a Christian people and most of the Christians had to deal on every, every day with it. Mm -hmm. And I remember as a child that was in the early 50s, 53, 54, uh, before 53, many evangelical Christians were arrested overnight and some of them went to jail and the family didn't see them for many years. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't uh, much freedom. Later that changed around the late 50s. Uh, in Poland still the Catholic Church was very strong even though the, it wasn't an official opposition to the government. But Poland was always very strong Catholic country. Mm -hmm. And the communistic government couldn't ignore that fact that Poles are very religious people. So to counterbalance that power of Catholic Church, they force all the evangelical, evangelical Christians, different denominations, to form one Christian uh, church body. Mm -hmm. It was called United uh, Evangelical Christian. Has nothing to do with the United Church here mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. Canada. That had some effect on how we grew as a Christian people. Because now in your congregation, you had different group slight, with slightly different biblical teaching mm -hmm. from Pentecostal to very uh, orthodox evangelicals. And sometimes there was a conflict. For us young people, that was to some degree a benefit yeah, yeah. because we learned to appreciate other people that mm -hmm. had slightly different understanding of the Bible mm -hmm. than we are. Mm -hmm. So we learned to be together. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and for me, um, as being born in the home of evangelical believers, uh, it was benefit in the way that I was exposed to the Holy Spirit work among the Christian people as I never could experience other ways. Okay, now, I want to hold you there because I'm, I'm going to go there okay. in a minute. Thank you. Larry, how about you? Where, where were you raised? How did, how did you become a Christian? I'm from Malaysia on the eastern part of Malaysia, which is on the island of Borneo. I come from a family who don't have any beliefs, but occasionally my parents would go to the temple, and then that's where you find those spirits. The leaders of the temple would uh, go in a trance, and the evil spirit, the demon or whatever, uh, goes into that person. Um, but by divine providence, I was sent to a Catholic school really? at the age of five. Now, why would your folks do that? Well, we, I, I don't really know, but I had a, grand, a grandfather who was pretty progressive. And uh, he wanted, you know, the 
children and grandchildren to be educated in English. Okay. Okay. There, were, there are Mandarin schools as well. And for 13 years, I was in the Catholic Church. And uh, the first thing we have in the morning is catechism. So I knew all about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, <laughs> and all the doctrines of the RC Church. <laughs> and so I grew up uh, very religious. But um, I, I didn't really know um, what Christianity was all about. I know the stories. Um, so after 13 years of uh, Catholic teaching, I left high school. And a friend gave me a book called The Salvation of God by Oswald J. Smith. There's a, a Canadian. Canadian connection there yeah. because he's the founder of the People's Church in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I read that book and I was really prime for what the book was saying because he, he was saying that all the works that you do and all that kind of thing don't save you. And it, at the end of every chapter, he would say, and it is Christ and Christ alone who can oh. save you. So I was very uh, enthralled by it because for 13 years, nobody told me why Jesus Christ had to die on the cross. Mm -hmm. Every time I hear the story, mm -hmm. I moved, but I don't understand I, the puzzle. Mm -hmm. I wasn't fitting. So that book was so profoundly uh, persuasive. So when I finished the book, like you in the bedroom, I said my prayer, and there was a little place where you sign your name. And that was an uneventful thing, but the Holy Spirit um, changed my heart, re regenerated my, my heart there. And so that was the beginning of my uh, faith. Now, in where I am from, there are not many churches. We have lots of missionaries trying to come in, mm -hmm. Catholics, mm -hmm. Anglicans, and all that kind of thing. But then um, I went to an evangelical church, um, and from there I grew. But there wasn't much talk about the Holy Spirit, but I did encounter other kinds of spirits. Uh, because Borneo is a place where you have headhunters, you have oh, animism. Yes. And so there's a lot of fear about Holy Spirit. And I remember one day, there was this young lady who was demon-possessed, and she was shrieking and shouting because they were trying to deliver yeah. her from the demon. Yeah. And it took a while before they were able to do that. But every time you mentioned the name of Jesus, yeah. she would go crazy. Yeah. And this is why, to this day, I tell people, if you have a problem, you think it as a demon, anything, uh, you, 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 you are afraid of it, just invoke the name of Jesus because there's power in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my other experience of that is that um, I know somebody who goes to, out to cast demons and he tells me, you know, sometimes I go to the house, I hear strange sounds. The tap would turn on by itself and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he once told me about a man who is the devil. He was spinning on his back by himself. And those are things that uh, introduce me to the spirits of the other world. Yeah. But the good news is that we have the Holy Spirit who is sovereign over all these other spirits. Oh, wow, wow, what a perspective. All right, so I want to ask you, uh, as, we, as we get to the role of the Holy Spirit, you each come from a unique perspective. So we're, we're in an alliance church here, and it's kind of a hodgepodge. And uh, I think there's some real beauty to that. Uh, but Brian, you grew up in a, essentially a charismatic church. Mm -hmm. um, how has your upbringing in that kind of a church influenced your view of the Holy Spirit and how you interact with him? Mm -hmm. Well, um, the, the church that I grew up in had some had some very, very good Bible teachers. And, uh, and so as a, as a charismatic church, um, one of the things that, um, that I still remember through my growing up years, going to classes, going to Bible studies and so on, was the, the issue of a balance of the, the Word and the Holy Spirit. Mm. In other words, um, 
you know, we, we can believe what Jesus says about living a spirit-filled life. And theologically or mentally, we can say, yeah, that's really good. I believe that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to living that out, mm-hmm. it's a whole other matter. Mm-hmm. And so, so I've lived with that idea for all my life. It's something I can't forget. It was mm-hmm. drilled into me that mm-hmm. we need to have a balance between the Word and the Spirit. Wow. And again, in terms of spiritual things, to be to have the word check what we are doing and, mm-hmm. and what we are involved in as we are uh, supposedly living in the, mm-hmm. in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So the balance of the Spirit and the Word was one of the things I carried away from that church, you know, from 60 years ago. Wow. What a great balance, hey? Mm-hmm. So, Victor, you were, you were talking a little bit about it. You, you grew up in a, in a time that was heavily influenced by communism. Um, how, did that, how did that influence how you came to interact with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, as a Christians at that time and now also, um, we struggle with the pressure of the communism, the ideology. Yeah. And just like I said, as a child, I couldn't understand fully what the oppression was mm. till mm. I start attending school. So in school, you were introduced very strongly to the communistic ideology, yes. Yes. right? Yeah. And there was a conflict between what you were taught at home as a Christian and then what you face on the daily basis <laughs> somewhere else. Yes. Um, from the moment when I accepted Christ, my heart was always very soft towards Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, his words moved me all the time. Uh, I don't know. I was kind of weeping <laughs> prophet. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You're the new Jeremiah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I think there was something good in it. But later on, when I was attending high school, the pressure of the communists was very strong. Um, To the point that many of us who finish the high school or uh, get some diplomas, you know, what they're going to do in their lives, often they had to alter that because it conflicted with the ideology of the Communistic Party. In my case, when I, <laughs> I was 19 years of age at that time, I already had a teacher's diploma in my pocket. So I could be a teacher in the public school system. But because of my spiritual orientation, I was undesirable candidate for any teaching position in school system. So I had to look at myself and ask the question, what am I going to do? (laughs) So I decide not to go to the teaching profession, but to inquire God even deeper. So I decide to study theology. Um, that was, to some degree, it was a benefit, but at that time, it was more building my knowledge than my spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The spiritual encounter actually came later on in my life when I really had to submit to my Lord mm-hmm. in every aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, Larry, you've, you've given us a an enticing perspective, having grown up in a country where spirits are the order of the day. Um, there are constrictions in Malaysia even now on Christians, if I'm correct, as far as evangelism and that kind of thing is concerned. Um, how do you see, with that perspective, how do you see the Holy Spirit work in that kind of setting? 
because it can't really all be about about well-intentioned Christian human effort. It has to be something about the spirit. Are you talking about uh, evangelism? Yeah, and I'm talking about how do you see how do you see God work in power despite those constrictions placed on you there? There is some um, evangelism among the rural people by the city churches. And um, we used to have a lot of missionaries, but that most of them are gone now. So the local churches have uh, uh, taken on the responsibility to, to do that. Um, the, it, it, it is illegal to, to uh, talk to somebody uh, who is a Muslim about Jesus Christ. So that is completely out. Yeah. But there is some work that's going on unseen and with God nothing is impossible but Malaysia is a very very difficult country much more so than even Indonesia to um, evangelize and what's happening right now is the Muslim government is trying to reach out and Islamize the natives who don't have any religion mm -hmm. And some of these Christians who are natives, they don't have much knowledge about scripture and their faith, and they fall prey to it. And they're enticed with money and all that kind of thing. But uh, the, the problem about rural evangelism is that there are lots of uh, villages, but there's not enough uh, pastors. So a pastor has to go to uh, service many churches one bright spot is that um, a, a lot of Christian NGOs are starting Christian kindergartens to teach the, the little ones about the faith. And that is, is a good step. Okay, thank you. All right, let's, let's move a little bit into the spirit-filled life because you've all uh, kind of alluded to, you know, you... you, you you enter into a relationship with Christ, but then there is something more. And, uh, and it has to do with the Holy Spirit. So I'd like you to talk for just a few minutes about uh, what is the difference there? So many people uh, will become a Christian and, you know, the, the scripture tells us when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside. But, but they don't live what is what we would call a spirit-filled life. It's sort of a, it's sort of seen as a, that's just for pastors or, you know, this is for extra special people. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about the difference between a life, a Christian life not filled with the spirit and one that is filled with the spirit? Tell us a little bit about the difference there. Brian, can you lead us off there? Yeah, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of Christians through the years, um, we attended a Baptist church for about 14 years in the north when we lived in the Yukon. And uh, I used to I used to wonder how cold, why people were so cold to the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I I taught classes. I was an elder in the in that church in the Baptist church, and uh, would talk quite freely about the third person of the Trinity, and it mm -hmm. made them all a lot really nervous. Mm -hmm. and, and in talking to to them, they thought they thought that the Holy Spirit was like an optional extra. Ah, okay. It was like it's a ceremonial word, uh, but um, you know you can you're a good Christian if you have if you're saved. Mm -hmm. But the Holy Spirit was, it made them nervous, made them quite nervous. And so, um, anyway, that, that's been my perspective. And, and I find even in, uh, in churches here, whether it's an Alliance church, there, there's this similar attitude of, of uh, the Holy Spirit is really kind of an optional extra. Mm -hmm. And I guess I just see it much different. You know, the, the scripture talks about 
that we need to be filled with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus said, I'm going to the Father, but I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And, but, and so it's so clear to me that uh, there's a major difference between the Holy Spirit being an optional extra, if you have any interest at all, to being a basically a, a Christ's desire for us mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Larry, why do you think people, because there is that sense that some people are afraid of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like a Pandora's box. And if you open that box, what's going to come flying out? Why do you think that is? I think maybe it's more than just fear. I think it basically a lot of it is ignorance and, and the lack of exposure or teaching on the Holy Spirit. Um, in my almost 50 years as a Christian, I um, don't remember my pastor talking exclusively about the Holy Spirit at all. And most of what I glean comes from books or from messages. So my thinking is that a lot of it is because of our uh, ignorance rather than uh, out of fear. I'm not quite sure about what happens in North America, Mm -hmm. but uh, we we don't fear that in Malaysia. Um, When I was a young Christian, we had a U.S. missionary come, a uh, Baptist missionary, but he was very charismatic, and all the young people flocked to him. And it was a very exciting time, speaking in tongues and all that kind of thing. But I, I wasn't involved in that circle. So I think it all boils down to our receptivity when we are young, and also our culture is such that, that we are more um, prone to accept teaching without being a cynic and all that kind of thing. Ah, okay. Uh, so Victor, you're, you're raised in a, in a uh, evangelical group that has, that has all ends of the evangelical spectrum. Uh, was, there, was there fear or reticence of the Holy Spirit there, or did you find it different? Yeah, I, I agree with uh, Larry and Brian what they said. Um, I think in general, the evangelical movement is kind of ignoring the uh, subject of the Holy Spirit. When we're reading by the Bible, the Bible encourages us to be holy. This is the area of our life when we have to do everything, Apostle Paul in Philippians says, uh, try to do everything to be holy. Mm-hmm. We, we read that in many, in many places, uh, Apostle Peter and, and in Hebrew and, uh, you know, we have to strive to be holy. Without work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, we cannot be holy <laughs> because God is holy. Holy Spirit is God. <laughs> so he, he has the, all the interest in us to create us more and more to the image of Christ. So I can't imagine to just exclude the Holy Spirit and, and say, yeah, I, I have the Holy Spirit because I committed my life to Christ and the Holy Spirit is dormant in my life. I don't need him anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have problem with that. My parents, as you mentioned, and they were evangelicals and they struggle with the issue of works of the Holy Spirit. The, manifestation of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. till my older sister and I were touched by the Holy Spirit and you spoke in tongues. And my parents, I remember they said to me, (laughs) we thought that was only for the apostles. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they couldn't deal with that for a long time. Yeah. And I, I think Mostly that's what the understanding is, you know, this kind of stuff. It's not for today. That Mm -hmm. was in the past. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And yet, when we read, for instance, uh, Prophet Joel, he says that in the last days, and we are in the last days, before Christ will mm-hmm. come, mm-hmm. we are in the last days. And he was saying that, you know, young people will have the vision and, and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Acts, ch- Acts chapter 2. Exactly. Yeah. So, and like I said, people don't have, like you Larry said, proper understanding of mm-hmm. it. And they are scared in some way, uh, areas. For instance, they don't have proper understanding of a Holy Spirit manifestation in speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. However, we don't read anywhere in the Bible when you are filled with the Holy Spirit that you will speak in tongues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are way more to it than just speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. God manifested his presence by allowing people to speak the different languages. Mm-hmm. But mostly he equipped us with power to testify about him because that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus said that you going to, you need to go and tell people. Mm-hmm. So and when Jesus was talking in in, in John 14 or 15 I, mm-hmm. he was telling what is going to be the role of the Holy Spirit and he said the Holy Spirit will bring the uh, understanding of the sin. Yeah. And he said you need to testify about it. Yeah. So the the work of the Holy Spirit is not the tongues. If that's what we're looking for, we are making big mistake. Mm-hmm. God can give you the tongues, mm-hmm. but He's interested in what we need from Him. So often people just kind staying away from the Holy Spirit because they don't understand. They think we have to do the weird things. Yeah. No. I, I really think that's part of it too. Is people are afraid of excess. You know, the 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 father is, if you will, predictable, and the son, he has done his work. The Holy Spirit, he'll make you do weird things. Exactly. And uh, that's what I love about your upbringing. It, it it was it was the balanced, you know, the word and and the spirit. Okay, now I want to move on because our time is is uh, running, and I want to talk. I want to have you talk a little bit about the spirit-filled life. Um, practically, all right, we, because it's a jump here. You become a Christian. The Holy Spirit is given as in Acts chapter or Ephesians chapter one as a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance. So every Christian has the Holy Spirit. But it seems to be a big step between the Holy Spirit latent in my life and the Holy Spirit enthroning Jesus actively in my life. Um, So I'd like to ask you practically for the listener, how does a person receive the filling of the Spirit? How do you you live in the fullness of the Spirit? Mm -hmm. Brian, can you comment on that? Oh boy, I have a very lengthy answer. <laughs> Can you do it in two minutes? No. <laughs> um, when I was when I uh, was about sixteen, I rebelled, hmm. ran away from God, and He tracked me down after probably four years, hmm. and He put me down on the ground, put His foot on my neck, and said. You're done. This is it. <laughs> and uh, and I had an experience in the Holy Spirit at that moment that was life-changing. Not sought? No. Oh, okay. I gave up. Okay. I surrendered. All right. And it was, uh, you know, I, I get tearful when I think about that experience, the uh, the love of Christ that came on me. Mm-hmm. Um, the world, in an instant, even though this happened in the dark on a very lonely road, mm-hmm. the whole place lit up in in like like uh, fireworks or effervescence or something. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget it. I can't actually describe it. 
But that was my that was my first experience with the Holy Spirit, and it just flooded me, and changed me instantly. Even though I'd given my heart to the Lord at twelve years old, yeah, and I had attended youth group and Bible studies for years, and then I had this four-year absence, running from God, and um, I didn't speak in tongues. And so when I thought about this, well, that's not what I'd been taught all my life. Oh, oh. And I and I thought, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's got to be some something else. Uh, you know, I didn't get this right. Um, but then I went on. I used to go to the altar after church, and I went through a couple of years of of a um, Holy Spirit would come on me, and I would. And I would start bawling like a baby. And there's other times the Holy Spirit came on me and I giggled and laughed. Mm -hmm. But I didn't speak in tongues. And I still, Mm -hmm. it's like, wow, you know, this isn't, this couldn't be. (laughs) What is this? Am I crazy? Yeah, you had this perspective that Victor was talking about. Exactly. But it it wasn't until... uh, uh, sometime later, we were, I was at a Bible study, in, a Romans Bible study. Very, very good teaching. And I don't remember where it was in this Bible study that we, we stood up to, to take a break. And uh, the Holy Spirit came on me again in, in the same way. And I tried to talk, and I was talking something else. Mm-hmm. And it was then I received this this gift, mm-hmm. not as evidence of the Holy Spirit, but mm-hmm. as a as a prayer language yeah. that I could use. Yeah. Anyway, did I answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, pro- you're, you're you're giving me all kinds of other questions. <laughs> yeah, really, I, I, because because if the listener is saying, you know what, I'm listening to this and I'm a Christian, but I have I don't have this sense of feeling or 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 the holy spirit sort of working through my life to enthrone jesus the word that's come out from you bryant is surrender it's interesting exactly. that you didn't seek it he sought you larry what would you say about the practical filling of the spirit how does how does how does that happen in your life well firstly there must be a deep and desperate hunger for intimacy with God mm. and uh, mm-hmm. desiring to w- walk closely with him and then um, the confession of sin um, why confession of sin it's a leading question but well you you've you've got to be emptied of yourself <sighs> before okay. you can be filled yes. and so you have to abandon and forsake because that is proof of total surrender mm-hmm. to God Total commitment means you give up. You know, it is very interesting that I think about 40-something years ago, I listened to a cassette tape by Tozer, Total Commitment to Christ. And I still remember what he said, the three points. He talks about the man on the cross. Number one, when he's on the cross, he's only facing one direction. (laughs) When he's on a cross, he cannot come down. And the man on a cross has no further plans. Oh. And it's so beautiful. And I, I didn't know who Toza was. It was but, <laughs> you know, how God's Spirit uses that. I don't remember many things. My, I'm actually losing my memory a lot now. But I still remember that. And that is a very important thing to remember that when Christ calls us to be his disciples, it's not the North American evangelical variety nowadays. It is a total commitment, uh, a, a giving up of your, your life, forsaking everything. And so that has to be there, that the surrender of the will and your desires, your agenda. And after you do that, you confess your sins, and then you invite the Holy Spirit to, to come in, that there must be of, that, that hunger 
and that confession of sin, that total surrender, and then letting uh, God use us as he sees fit. Our problem is that, and my problem when I was younger, I did have a feeling of the Spirit, but then we get back our controls. You know, we, <laughs> we, we are very um, disloyal, I mean, un unfaithful in that way. And, and the key is to be consistently faithful. When you get older, your perspective uh, is, is a bit sharper, mm -hmm. and so you, mm -hmm. you, you uh, try to get it right more. So it's, it's very, very important that we have all those things, the hunger and then that consistent, ongoing relationship with, with, Christ, uh, with, with the Spirit. So, so here's, the, here's the rub on this thing. If you're going to say Jesus Christ is Lord, then he must be Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, so let me spring off of that, Victor, uh, because there is not only a, an initial filling of the Spirit, a surrender, but there is also the daily surrender to the Spirit. Uh, so tell us, Victor, uh, and uh, I think, um, Brian, you've coined this term, uh, about our church, and I think it's true for every Christian. How do you live a life of welcome to the Holy Spirit? Like, how is this a pattern for your daily life? Well, that's a loaded question. They all are. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Leon, right away it comes to my mind what Paul was writing in, in Romans chapter 7, the daily struggle <clears throat> yeah. with our flesh. Yeah. And we will have that till we'll meet with Christ in heaven. But how we deal with that, that's another thing. Larry, you were talking, and Brian, you were talking about the complete surrender to God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that is the desire of my heart daily. You know, am I successful all the time? I would be a great liar if I would say yes. Mm -hmm. This is the struggle that each one of us has every day. You meet somebody that rubs you the wrong way and your personality jumps right, right away. And then you're sorry that you acted that way. But that's the Holy Spirit correcting us. Mm, mm. See, when, when Jesus was talking to his disciples about sending the Holy Spirit, he was saying that, he will teach you about things, but he will bring the conviction. Mm -hmm. And another point I would like to make, if we are not deep in God's word and not allowing us, the God work speak to us, then it's hard to come to the point of conviction and say, okay. Lord, I'm surrendering myself. So time in Scripture. Absolutely. Uh, because who inspired the Scripture? The Holy Spirit. You got yes. it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Brian, I, I'd like to pose this to you because you've, you've coined the term. I thought, I, I thought it was a good term. How, how do you live a life of welcome to the Spirit? Hmm. Well, I, I think it starts like we've talked about that, that surrender and and openness. Um, it takes, you know, I think, I think Vic Vector hit it on the head. We need to study. There's so much in Scripture that talks about um, what Christ wants us to do. And, and, uh, and so we need, you know, we need training in how to interpret Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, let me give you an example of, I was reading in, uh, I was reading in Acts 3, Peter and John. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you know where I'm going the with this story. Gate. Yes. And uh, I heard this, I heard this very short reference to this, that, um, to that scripture in Acts 3. Um, sorry, if you hear pages, that's me flipping through the Bible here. <laughs> um, 
Peter and John were going up to the temple. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they had laid daily at the, at the gate of the temple. It was called the beautiful gate. Uh, and so he, this fellow, he, he saw Peter and John and asked for alms. And Peter, Peter and, and John directed their gaze at him. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm wondering, why? What's going on here? Mm-hmm. And then I read recently about this, that Jesus, masquerading as Peter and John, was dealing with this man. So can you picture this? Peter and John looking at this fellow, totally surrendered to the Holy Spirit, to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. They recognize the fullness of the Spirit is Jesus. Yeah. And he's, he's using them. So what did they do? I think they were hearing the Holy Spirit say, tell them to get up and walk. It wasn't some long theological prayer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, invoking, you know, it's like 30 or 40 scriptures. Like your healing. Yeah. It was just Jesus using these totally committed men to be channels of his spirit. Mm-hmm. And so it, I think it speaks to how we as Christians are to lay our life down and become totally surrendered to be to be to bring a word to bring deliverance to bring healing to that and Jesus directs that we don't need to go out on the streets and start and start gathering people and try to do do something for them mm-hmm. Jesus wants to do that. He just wants you to be his channel to get that done. Wow. And this is the adventure of the Christian life. Exactly. When it is directed by the Spirit and not by my own will. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Yeah, Victor. When, when you're talking about this, it just comes to me, to my mind. You remember, we used to sing that song, Lord, make me an instrument, Mm -hmm. an instrument to worship. Yeah. And that's what you were saying. We have to offer ourselves to be available to him, to be used as his instrument. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I like that. Jesus masquerading as Peter and John. Yeah, that's a powerful thought. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to start to wind up our time, regrettably. Um, but uh, maybe just a couple of more questions. Um, Larry, I'd like you to speak to uh, the whole issue of fear. Fear is uh, our common stock in trade through the COVID issue. We've been fed a steady diet, uh, and I see... I see fear everywhere. Um, How does the Holy Spirit inside help us deal with fear? If we rely on our own resources, there's not much hope. And to the world outside, it is a very fearful thing. Um, Most of us go through life without thinking about death or we deny it. Mm -hmm. But when confronted with it, we really are scared. At the end of the day, that is our greatest fear. And without God in our lives, um, we have a reason to be afraid. But for Christians, when we have the Spirit of God in us and we have a living relationship with Him, that God lives in me and we believe where we are going, and that we know that the Holy Spirit is sovereign, we have all the confidence we have in the world. If God should take me out, uh, uh, home now, I'm ready. That kind of attitude, yeah. because we are secure in Him. Yeah. But if something should happen, the Holy Spirit is still sovereign, and He can overrule it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Brian, to you, you uh, I'm just going to ask a, 
about books. Now, some books have already been alluded to in our time here. Uh, Brian, you you uh, brought some resources uh, for the reader, and uh, maybe you can uh, maybe you can mention them, and then I will put them on the Encounter mm. webpage as well. But uh, maybe just to mention what has uh, what has moved you. Yeah. Um, the book Experiencing the Trinity, notice the title, Experiencing the Trinity, mm-hmm. um, really theologically straightened out the whole idea of the Holy Spirit for me. Who's that by? It's by a fellow named Daryl Johnson. Mm-hmm. He lives in this area. He, he's uh, been a professor at Regent for years. He's written some wonderful books. Um, but I had, I've never read a book that's so simple and yet so powerful about the Trinity, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And that, I've used that in, in group Bible studies, and it, it's, it's tremendous. People just can't believe that they didn't understand about the Holy Spirit correctly. Okay. Good. Um, Experiencing the Trinity. Yeah, and another book that uh, now I'm turning into an alliance person. <laughs> there's a there's a lot happening in the alliance denomination around the world right now, regarding the Holy Spirit. It's like we're going back to our roots of the of the deeper life movement mm-hmm. in the alliance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's there's a there's another book, and I'm not suggesting people read it, but it's it's called Genuine Gold. You probably have read it, Leon, and it's, uh, I think it's by Paul King. And it's, it's calling the alliance cautiously charismatic, but it points out all of, the, all of the revivals and the move of the Spirit right from the start of the alliance right through to the present day. But th- uh, this book, River Dwellers, by Dr. Rob Reamer, he's a, he's a professor at... Uh, it used to be called NIAC. Yeah, it's Alliance Theological Alliance Seminary. Theological yeah. Seminary. Um, it's really worth I bu- I bought many of these books and have been handing them out to anybody that looked like they were interested in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and he's written in a lot of other good books since then, but that opened my eyes to what's going on in the Alliance in Canada and uh, in the, around the world. This is a new book that just came out during COVID. Uh, it's called The Empowerment Pivot by Douglas Balzer. And um, he's, he travels throughout Alberta in, in the Western District of the Alliance, which I think is Alberta and Saskatchewan? I or is it just Alberta? Alberta? Mm-hmm. Just Alberta. And he's doing um, Holy Spirit seminars and soul care seminars and so on. And it's, it's a wonderful read. I just got it last week, devoured it overnight because I don't sleep at night anymore. <laughs> anyway, those, those three books are pow- powerful uh, at this point in time in the Alliance. Good, good. All right, I, I think... Add, yes, absolutely. Another one? Yeah. Um, the Knowledge of the Holy, uh, A.W. Yes. Tozer. Yes, it's a very good book, can be very helpful. And I mentioned already about, I think you brought that book, In Pursuit of Holiness. Uh, Whoever, it's an excellent book. Yeah, I taught part of, some stuff out of that. Yeah, it's an excellent book, yes. study book for how to grow mm-hmm. spiritually, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's wonderful book, yeah. Larry. I don't have a book. <laughs> Yesterday I was on YouTube and there was one series by David Pawson on the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's outstanding. Mm-hmm. I listened to two and I highly recommend it. He's an English uh, pastor and he's very clear, very succinct, very interesting for the topic of a Holy Spirit. I recommend him very highly. 
All right. So thank you, gentlemen. So I will have that on the Encounter webpage, that bibliography and the link uh, to David Pawson. And uh, and I would encourage you to, to uh, go on that site and to involve yourself in this. Well, gentlemen, our time has flown. I have many other things I'd like us to talk about, and maybe we will have a chance to do this again. Um, but I... But I appreciate uh, not only your input here today, but I, I appreciate that you're living the life of a disciple. Uh, I don't think that ever ends until we see uh, the master face to face. So I want to, I want to thank you. I want to thank you, the listener, for being with us today. Uh, I hope that you'll uh, stay tuned. We're going to be, uh, uh, I have two more podcasts that are coming up, uh, one in February and one in March. Uh, uh, the the one in February, uh, one of our uh, the great uh, godly women of our church, talking about life in the spirit, and then the one in March, uh, talking about the experience of revival, and uh, that should be a really interesting discussion. So I hope that uh, you will uh, continue to visit that encounter page, and I hope that uh, in your quest for the lordship of Christ that this has been a helpful time for you. So we'll sign off uh, now, and I want to thank you gentlemen for your input to us today.